Hello and welcome to the D&D 420 podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping you become a better dungeon master. I am your host, Eric M. Hunter, and I am a struggling game master trying to figure out how to tell a better story. Joining me shortly is Jimmy Shields. He is the creator of D&D 420 and an avid D&D fan with over 30 years of experience. Uh, this episode will close us out of season one for the D&D 420 podcast. So thank you guys so much for listening uh, through all of these episodes. It's been a blast doing this. We are definitely coming back for a season two uh, sometime in the near future where we're going to dive into some more uh, intermediate things uh, about the game and storytelling in general. But in this episode, we have another very special guest from the D&D 420 Guild, Tommy. Uh, again, a very big fan of D&D. He's been playing for many years. Uh, him and Jimmy actually met in a uh, Vampire Masquerade LARPing game. Uh, which we touch on a little bit, but he is with us today to discuss some of the finer points of creating a sandbox-like feel for your game, the do's and don'ts, and the best way to go about it. All right, Jim, so we wanted to talk about something that is basically the essence of D&D, and it's the idea of being able to be anybody in any scenario, in any world, and to create any story that you want to create and we the question was so big that we had to invite another of the guild members here for D&D 420 everybody give a big applause up to Tommy say hello yeah. Tommy Tommy has a laundry he's list. He's the Arsenio. He's the Arsenio Hall of D and D four twenty. Hall. That's because so, I'm black. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's because you have he's a you have a, a canceled late night show of D and D four twenty. Tommy has many years playing D and D, creating D and D, DMing. We are super happy to have him on the sh- uh, the podcast this time around, and we're talking about what is the heart and soul of the game of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so both of you, I'm going to pose this question to you because as somebody who is new, still, uh, you know, wet behind the ears, still new to this game, you want this game to feel like you can do anything in, in the world. You can be anybody, achieve anything. It's a giant sandbox, but as a DM, firstly, what does that mean to you? What does it mean to create a game that feels like a sandbox? Uh, Tommy, we'll go with you since you are a guest. Yeah, <laughs> feels like a sandbox <sighs> why don't you pick me first take your time jim if you want to jump high. in you're welcome I'm high. yeah jim you should jump in on this one because uh, like so like right. what just like what does it mean what does it mean to say what, what, i want to create what, a game that's a sandbox uh, well to me it's being able to do anything you want sorry i got a wasp flying right around my head <laughs> I'm going to kill this son of a bitch before... Like, I love animals and stuff, but this wasp can fuck all. <laughs> he is currently in a sandbox. That is your house. You know... God, that was scary. The fucker got right up on I, I mean, if you want to know what a sandbox feel is like, it's like you can do anything you want to do. Any choices, multiple choices. Um, from a DM perspective, that's a headache and a half, unless you always wing it. It is a headache, and we were talking about yeah. that just a little bit ago, uh, yeah. because I told Tommy we'd be talking about open sandbox today, and he said, "You know, it's you know, I really like I really like the way you do it in your game." But we had this one buddy, uh, Brian or Bree, mm-hmm. who uh, who like could just you could do anything, and it was it was your players would half the time be evil or chaotic, and just we were young, and you could go anywhere and yeah. do anything. And Brian always had an answer. 
Yeah, he Always. did. He had a monster, a bad guy, an answer. And I think 90% of the time, Brian was fucking winging it. Yeah, but I think he knew how to, to draw us in as well because we would become attached to some bad guy or, or some feeling or some area. So I think that's, that's exactly what what I what I want to say. Yeah, is okay. First of all, before we get into that, I want to say that you know video games have been awesome for D anD D, being that there's been video games like uh, the Elder Scrolls mm-hmm. that was made from the D anD D third edition rules they, they were taken directly from it and then applied to a video game and that's the epitome of an open sandbox am i right i haven't played it but but that's exactly what it is yeah yeah i think more when that whole series is yeah more when definitely kicked it off and then um yeah. what was the one after that uh, i don't know they're uh, they're was... all just pretty much you can do anything i can go and steal a bunch of stuff yeah, uh, like it, it literally is like we have a main quest line, we have side yeah. quests, but you can literally you could, you know, walk the same path every day if you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, that's an open sandbox, right? So that's awesome that you brought D&D to the spotlight, but at the same time before video games, D&D wasn't an open sandbox back in the yeah. 80s. It really wasn't. No. Yeah, it was well, just we modules, were... right? Like you were just running dungeons basically. Well, I mean, I've been running my games since 1990 three um in my game world 1992 1993 um now there's always been modules but there have always as many as many modules as there have been uh there's always been dms out there like me who build their own world Mm -hmm. so there that's always been a thing but it used to be more so like hey let's go get a quest let's go questing we're gonna go do this thing and we're gonna do princess we're gonna go kill a dragon you kind of knew what you were getting into it was video games there was uh baldur's gate and there was you know if we go way back and there were uh, other games similar to that that started being more and more open sandbox till the epitome of it i think morrowind and the elder scrolls chronicles uh, that really blew it up and then you had other games that got really huge that were open sandbox like uh grand theft auto there's a storyline there and you can go and get a quest and go get a story and go do those things. But you can also just beat bitches up and steal cars and listen to the radio and wreck those cars, right? Get to cop chases or whatever. Yeah. So that was, I think awesome for D and D and destructive for D and D as well. Um, because now you've got a whole other headache. Like Tommy said, it is a headache, but Brian, or Bree had the ability to suck you in. And that's what you have to do if you're going to play an open sandbox. Yeah. There's several things you need to do in advance to be mm-hmm. ready for it. Um, yeah. So having a big, expansive gaming world that you know a lot about, you that is a must, or you can't really do open sandbox. Um, knowing little things about each area that you can really make it seem lived in and cool and fun that's going to be really important being imaginative uh being having the ability to um to just go off the cuff and just kind of roll with it with your players that's important too Uh, but the most important thing is being able to draw your players back into a story because i don't know how fun it really is if you're really trying to have a really cool story to just go open sandbox completely yeah like 
I don't know, Tommy, what do you think? You've played in games like um, Brian's and Dean's and mine, where they're all basically open sandboxes with different feels. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, because once, if you go back to, I, I, I would use like Dean, if I could use his name, I, I'll change his name to Mean or maybe Bean. Bean, Lalo, uh, he, uh, it was more personal. It's more about personal, your character personal development. You never really care about the storyline. They care about personal achievements. So I, I guess that's where it came. Like, you know, I want to, I want a guild. So you build yourself a guild. I want, you know, I want to take over a certain section. So it was like, there's no big goals. And it just never felt like a story, you know, felt like you were, you were building some type of sim. Uh, yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. so and it's it's just about you know adding stuff to your character sheet adding stuff just adding stuff adding stuff so the outside whatever story didn't really matter there could have been some story but the storyline usually involves someone messing with your guild someone taking over one of your houses someone setting something on fire that belonged to you you know that's how goals are motivated so that that, they were taking stuff off your character sheet yeah yeah they're taking stuff off (laughs) (laughs) so you had to go either attacking to you know to regain more stuff are to you know take those you know you know so that's what it was like that's how the ebb and flow went so, so it was I, an open sandbox but still it, it wasn't like an overarching that's how i see and, and with you i don't know if there could be like an overarching theme where you know well i mean it could be but it has to be associated with the guild it has to be like you know but i i could imagine this like a, there's a quest to go on there's a it's like this open thing where I can just bake cakes every day. Like, oh, I just bake cakes for experience every day, you know. <laughs> 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 like, I don't want it. I don't want yeah, so, so that's like one version of an open sandbox. You can do whatever yeah. you want, and you're just yeah. adding stuff to your character sheet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, for me as a DM, that gets really boring. But I don't know what DM tricks they use. Like, I, I understand what you do to get us, and they could have had their tricks too. That's the thing. Yeah, actually, because you bring up a pretty good point. Because uh, it's like, oh, I mean, Tommy, you just say like, oh, I could bake cakes every day and it, get yeah. experience. But like that experience that you're gaining somehow correlates to your character and the story at large. So the question that I'm posing is like, how much of that is set? Like how much of that do you actually sit down and say, okay, let's just take a typical scenario for my neighbor. My neighbor happens to be a fireman. All right, this is what my fireman's day is. So I'm going to need a firehouse. I'm going to need a car for him to get there. I'm going to need people for him to talk to. I'm going to need some way for him to, you know, extinguish these fires. I need to sit down and figure out what all of that means and how this works in my world. Which is ridiculous. It's, I mean, the the amount of work that would const- that would contrive something like that is out of this world. So like how much do you actually do and how much, like you were saying with Bree is just like winging it. Don't all answer at once. I mean, I guess it depends what setting you're in. Like if you were in a star Wars setting, you won't have to describe all that because people already realize what star Wars is. So you just, so there's already I mean, a preconceived notion is what you're saying. Yeah. There's, there's already some preconceived notions. Like, you know, when Jim, describes an area and we're all thinking about it you know jim pulls for certain things that we may have seen so we can get the same image in our head or close to it yeah well i mean it's and there's a big huge enormous vast difference between doing an open sandbox and a pre-constructed universe and doing open sandbox and your home brew game i mean 
mean, it's just it's enormously different because if you're playing in Dragonlance, Kryn, or if you're playing in Forgotten Realms, mm-hmm. and I mean, you have so much lore and so much history um, to draw from. And if you're really adept with it as a storyteller and as a DM and as someone who appreciates and enjoys those game worlds because you've read it, uh, you've read the, the core rule books, you've read all the NPCs, and you're just vaguely familiar with everything or even seriously familiar with everything, you're going to have a much easier time going into an open sandbox game. Whereas if you if you go into that game world and you have a player who is a super fan of Dragonlance, you're playing in Kryn, and you don't know it as well as that player, it's going to provide a huge problem for you. Because you're going to say, okay, we're going to go to Waterdeep. And then somebody says, all right, we're going to go to the planet. And be like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, let me read that now because I don't know what that is. But I, I sort of get what Eric's saying. It's like, but oh, that sounds like you're... I totally merged two different game worlds right there. You know, yeah, I know you did. That's um, fine. So, really fucking hot. <laughs> All right, so I, here, I, here's here. No, 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 but but but, but Eric, before you go, it, see to me, it sounds like when you have a sandbox, it's like, oh, here is this this plateau, and as you're walking, you're building stuff, like, like, oh yeah, like there's neighbor. I'm supposed to think about a neighbor. I'm supposed to think about this. It's on the cuff. Is that what you're talking about? The right. Of... Well, let me let yeah. me throw you a scenario of a, okay, of, a right. of a real life situation that I was put in, where Ooh, okay. there was a firefight going on inside of a building of sorts and my my entire plan was like i have to get these guys out of this building all right so okay. they're being they're being fired on and i had one guy who for un, honestly it was probably my fault i hadn't checked to see like what his sneak and hide and stuff was and it was crazy high so every time he'd be like well i want to sneak around the corner to see where the firefighter's coming from I'm like, all right. So he'd, th- he'd roll, you know, like 24. And I'm like, Fuck, all right. So, yeah, no, you make it to the corner. You can see where there, you know, there's four, you know, holding this doorway down, blah, blah, blah. Well, can I see another door? Like, yeah, there's another door. Like, all right, I want to sneak to that door. Like, it, it ended up being like, well, I want to do this. I want to do that. And the dice kept rolling in his favor, which is obviously part of the game. But at, po- at one point, I was just like, for fuck's sake, man. Like, there's you're not going to find anything else. Like, stop stop giving me reasons for you to roll and then you roll high and now I have to create this shit that doesn't fucking matter. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, so it was just like, at one point at the, I finally, I was just like, look, man, there was nothing else down here. Like there was no stop searching around. Like, I understand that you get that this is a giant building and there's obviously lots of shit to do and there's lots of rooms to open, but you have got to go. Like you've got to leave right now. You know what I was, you know, sometimes I learned this to play in another game system i'm gonna shout out to uh i can i can i can do this right i don't care white wolf yeah white wolf game system raise oh, the difficulty yeah. class man i just raise the difficulty class someone be a jack or like, oh, you don't say or, anything yep it's just as easy to say oh you're gonna go into the next room too okay so you go all throughout this level and you find it's a typical office building okay. with typical yeah. trash cans typical desks typical computers typical shit and, and you just bypass uh, that that's way, you can, focus way. On the, you can focus on the action at that point. I do that all the time uh, with yeah. you guys. You, oh, yeah. we. Oh, did we search the bodies? Oh, that covered everything. That search check guys covered everything. Let's get yeah, back yeah. to the action. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. we don't spend too much time on that because what, what are they really doing? 
you know, what is your player's intention? And maybe that was it too. Like player's intention is, um, and try, try to head it off. And I, and again, like it was, that would come back to just the point that I was new and I didn't know what I was doing exactly. And it was just like, I'm just trying to make sure that everybody's having fun and everything's going through. So, but yeah, I just, I got to a point where I was just like, I can't do this anymore, man. Like just stop, just stop rolling dice right now. Like, wait, wait, I I have a question and, and maybe I've asked you this before, Jim, Jim, do you, do you worry about everyone having fun? Yes, you do. Okay, I I, I don't know. <laughs> wait, hold on, Jim. Do you wait, 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 wait? Are you not expecting people to be sitting on tax and okay? Listen, listen, you, you that... listen, I, Eric. Are you I not mean, trying to create the third you, level if, of hell? People don't know this. Listen to us. Um, Jim and I have known each other for twenty-two years. Twenty-two years coming to twenty-two years, and that's how long we've been gaming with each other. So <laughs> true. We we met at a vampire. <laughs> I was gonna say you guys were playing Masquerade, yeah, weren't yeah, 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 yeah. Lucky. We played D and D that, that that year, so we've been twenty two years. That's how long we've been playing so, and been in game world. You know, so. so does it seem like I care, or doesn't it seem like I care if the players are having a good time? I'm I'm a little bewildered by that question. I, gotta... I, I just want to know because I know at sometimes it's just. You know, it would been in some groups it was just like you and I playing, you know, and the other ones were just around. Um, I do everything I can, and I, I kind of thought it was apparent, but maybe not. I do everything I can to try and include everyone and make sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, you give layups and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, we're getting off topic here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so back to open sandbox. I don't know where we were. We're so, on ten, So we were at ten. how much – realistically how much information are you going to write down and critique and think about for as many possibilities as possible? Uh, that's what random tables are, man. Like we get to know random tables. They are your friend again, know the area you're playing in. And if you're playing, Oh, I, I didn't get to the second part of my, there's a difference between playing in a pre-constructed gaming world and playing in your own pre-constructed gaming world. All that shit's there for you. You can read it experience it before you present it um, if you've built your own gaming world it's a totally different challenge and it can work actually much more easily because your players don't know what to expect so you can surprise them every step of the way and if you keep your your build small in the beginning and you start off like uh, tommy will recall when we started off in commonplace mm. i had a town with another town or a city with a town nearby or a town with a city nearby. Either way, Commonplace was a small town and Serengeth was a city nearby. And I kept it at that in the beginning. And then as the characters wanted to explore, I used random tables to help me decide what was going to come next. I used random tables to build the area. I used random tables to come up with what was going to happen next. And I started making my own random tables because I exhausted the couple that I had from the from earlier editions of D&D that I was using. Um, so it can be really cool that way to, to have an open sandbox where you hope your characters, your players, um, are out searching around looking for something. And you can encourage that so that you can, you know, kind of experience it together. But you've got to be good, again, at playing off the cuff. 
and have a good knowledge of all the areas. It's important to know what cities are in the area, what monsters are in the area, what the flora and fauna are like in this area, who the king is, who his advisors are, who how they police the area, how, what type of military there is, what type of city it is, what type of uh, imports and exports that are going to be in this area. If you start to know all of these things and you understand them generally, then when they go to the bazaars and they're searching for a gourd, you'll know what type of gourd will be for sale and why. That way you can haggle over the price of the gourd rather than just going in blindly. Okay. That seems like a lot of work. Well, no, but it makes sense because it's like you're you're basically putting yourself in a box and saying that this is all the information I'm going to provide and then you're figuring out clever ways to keep regurgitating that information. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not you're not spending countless hours trying to figure something out. You're just finding new ways to explain the the same information that you have. Yeah, but you know what? I I think it's best to to go upon the illusion of choice for Which DMs. Is my, my favorite tool. Because okay, if you so can talk make about, it, explain that the illusion of choice, it makes it feel like it's a sandbox. So you have several opportunities, but it's absolutely the DM is you know has triggers and stuff, and it's going you know it's just illusion of choice. It's like I don't, I don't know, Jim. For instance, yeah. For instance. Yeah. Um, Let's say I've built a gaming area and I already understand the majority of the things I just spoke about. I have a basic concept of all of that stuff. And the players say, I want to leave the city. Well, I wasn't ready for that, but that's okay. So inside of the city, if they went to point A, then this happened. If they went to meet this person, then that would happen. If they talked about this, this might happen. So instead of when you get to that place, that place may now be outside of the city. And you have to kind of think about it in between sessions now because they just went outside of the city and you think, I think, oh man, that's never going to trigger now because there was that creepy shop that when they walked in, they were going to meet the wizard and then they were going to have this discussion and find all about this rune. Okay, now let's move that creepy wizard into a different area. And you think about it for a little bit and replace it somewhere else. It's not the end of the world. So the players are still going to that shop or still going to that creepy wizard, yeah. no matter what you do, no matter what. And that you just have to kind of mold the story. And I know I've talked about it in this show. I've talked about it on the website. I've talked about it on our other uh, podcasts that 51% to 49%, the storyteller has ultimate control over the story. We all know that. So he tells 51% of the story, but you have to allow your players to tell that other 49%. That's very important. If they want to leave the city, make it feel like an open sandbox. You go wherever the hell you want. And as long as you know in advance that that's what we've decided that it's okay to do, because you can always talk about it before the game. Open communication is key. We've talked about this also in other episodes. Um, If you know your players are okay with you railroading the shit out of them, because you're all fairly new, then do that. Don't even let, you know, think about your open sandbox later. But mm-hmm. most DMs really want to give that feel of an open sandbox. Almost all of the DMs I know are heavily attracted to that concept. Mm-hmm. So the illusion of choice. 
where am I going to meet this person? It was going to be over here in the uh, poor area of town. But the players just won't go there because somebody failed a saving throw and they've got this strange kind of superstition about that part of town now. Eh, move the encounter somewhere else. It's not a big deal, trust me. When I say, as a DM, you'll get a nice challenge. Um, trying to figure out how you're going to make all this stuff gel and and keep it rolling and it's gonna and it's gonna help your improv skills if you're if you're doing that which mm. is gonna lead to more and more of an open sandbox feel over time let me tell you something larp made me appreciate improv <laughs> larping yeah oh yeah, god talk about that please oh no <laughs> please stop it <laughs> no seriously oh larp live action role playing well, because I feel um, like that's well, you know what that was sort of like a open. I guess that's sort of like a little open sandbox feel as well. It was, yeah, yeah. Um, live action role playing. We played uh, vampire, uh, which is White Wolf. Um, Brian and I, myself, we started this game at a u- local university. Um, anyway, but um, that I mean, this improv of. Of coming up there, there's an overarching theme. You know what's going on. It could be several plots going on. You have your other motives, but, but a person has come up and talking to you. You stay in the character and saying stuff that you will have to remember later on. Well, well, the good ones would be, you know, uh, say stuff you have to remember later on to include. Um, but it was always this off the cuff. You know, new people would come in and role play, and you have to your interactions would be different with everyone. You have to remember. You know, always when they come around, the interactions you had, who you hated, who you didn't like, it got it got really cool. It did, and you know the thing was, I don't know because I was a player and you were a storyteller, so mm. which is by the way where we get the term storyteller, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I, that's the first time I heard him say storyteller. I mean, by the game systems, that was one of the first times. Yeah. yeah. So, and and I really liked it because. Um, you were the storyteller and I came in, I didn't really know what to expect. I had played in other LARPs, um, but that was the one that made me feel like I was at home because everybody would pay attention to things that were happening that the storyteller would do either yourself because you would bring in NPCs or sometimes Bree would do these big um, (laughs) kind of over the top. Everybody needs to pay attention because the the ground is shaking right now. You all need to know yeah yeah and it was was really cool because it might set a tone and we might not even care what's happening but it would set a tone for what was happening with our characters it was the most open sandbox because you could just go off as players yeah not even be near a storyteller for hours yeah but it takes a lot of uh, understanding of the game for all of the players involved. It's it's harder, yeah. I feel like, with new players to do something like that. And when we've talked about that in past episodes about where we would be playing with different players and some of them will be like, oh, my character says blah, 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 or uh, just whatever whatever makes sense when yeah. it, that you just told me, just I'll tell it to them, or... The, yeah. uh, the person will say something out of turn. He'll be like, oh, no, I, I mean, I, I'm just saying that. Like, that's not that my character saying that. And it's uh, there's a weird um, there's a weird disconnect, in my opinion, 
Uh, and it may just be a fuzzy line for a new player because it's like, yeah, I'm in game, but like as a new player, like I still have questions of how this game works. Like I still have questions about what I should know and shouldn't know. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that Jim had mentioned about was the, the, the old apple on the head. You put your fist on top of your head to say, you know, I'm currently at a game and I just have some questions about something. Tommy, do you have any devices like that that you've picked up over the years of just DMing and maybe even with LARP of like, I just I have I have a very basic question to ask. I don't want to fuck things up. What do I do? Oh, you mean when you like um it's usually your owl character, you put your hand across your chest. It's an owl character. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, that's but I mean we really picked that up from LARP. You remember that, Jim? You put your hand that's, across your yeah. chest. Yeah. yeah. You can say, Hey, owl character, I have a quite you know, you just put your other that means you're not you're not in gameplay, that's pause. Yeah, t- uh Nathan does the one where you, where you take your fist thumb side mm-hmm. down and put it on top of your head. Because that's a, a move you'll never do ever. Oh, okay. You know, I call that the apple on the head. Oh, okay, I see. So you know that that's cool. It fosters if you know you're supposed to do that. It fosters being in character. Because yeah, yeah, of course. If you're talking and your your hands not over your chest or your the apple's not on your head, then I'm gonna take everything you say as in character, unless it sounds like you're narrating your character. Like, oh, I go over to the such and such and pick up the thingy thing. That's that's different. You're not gonna say that. You could. It's it's part of role playing. You know, you see that I'm wearing this, or you see that I, I mean, look like that, or my clothes seem tattered today, or I seem tired today. You can say those things, but until the apples on the head, you are your character. Yeah. See, and and I'm from the. I mean, from different game masters i went through i'm from the school of like hardcore you better be in character we're you know we're doing this because i love being in character i love the emotions i know you probably already had one about that i, I think about my character throughout the week what's going to happen what i'm going to do if this happens or what that happens how my character's going to feel you know i go i go that level with it that's how deep i go so deep, Tommy. <laughs> so I mean, deep. so so it's hard. So sometimes it's hard to come across, you know, when new players say, you know, like I, I just say, new players just just feel it, just go with it. We'll tell you if you make a mistake or not. Don't. It's it's better to yeah. keep to to stay in character and keep yeah. try, trying new things than it is yeah. to, you know, hold yourself back. And and we did talk about this one time, you know, about how a lot of people who are drawn to Dungeons and Dragons or other playing games may have social anxiety or other issues that they're dealing with personal issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, this is a cesspool for that. I mean, this is this is where we all end up. And back in the day, this is where all, if you were an outcast, this is what you mm-hmm. did. Yeah, you're outcast exactly. It was, and it's not. It's still not any different today, although that pool has grown much larger. Mm-hmm. And it still attracts people who are looking for a place to be somebody than themselves, a place exactly, where yeah. you can, you can yeah. fit in without having to worry about who you are on the outside. You know, and, and I say this, I think the best role players that I've came across have gotten picked on as kids, getting picked on as child. That that could be true. I, yeah. I could see that. Yeah, because um, just because, I mean, if you've never picked on, there's some of the emotions you cannot have. If everything happy happened in your life, you can't imagine what bad things would be. You know. Yeah, you couldn't. Like you couldn't see. You couldn't yeah. materialize an alternative in yeah. your head of what could be different if everything was great. 
Yeah. Yeah. That sense of not having control, that sense of pain, that sense of being left behind or whatever the case may be. Those are important things to feel for your, as a character in order to feel that sense of triumph and overcoming adversity. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then that's important to know as a dungeon master too, that those are things you want to try to put your characters through. Cause if everything you set up for your characters is not that tough, or they just maul through everything at the end of the day, what are they really doing? We're just throwing some dice and celebrating the characters rolling better than the bad guys every single time. And, eh. Is it that? Is it really that fun? Is it fun to just cl- to write experience down on your sheet, write magic items down on your sheet, write gold down on your sheet if you didn't yeah. earn it? I, I, you know, I, I, I hate to you know cut you off, but I, I, I know we guys are going to end this soon. It seems like it's going to come to the end soon, right? Soon it's coming <laughs> to the end. So I wanted to get. I was looking over your notes, and rail, railroading came up. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Let's which, end this on a which, downer note. So when is it a no, good no, time? No, 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 because, you know, I, I, w- I was thinking, like, for instance, for instance, Eric, your game when play Ghostbusters. I mean, I was on a tra- tra- railroad track. Um, you know, how you did it, it was episodic, but that wasn't a railroad track. We weren't just going to all of a sudden go off and go, like, I'll go to McDonald's or go try to bust, bust a ghost in Walmart. You had a job for us to do, and we wanted to do it. And what I are you talking about? Fun. You guys was... totally did that. We we wasted an yeah. entire session. Hold on, we wasted an entire session for you assholes to check <laughs> to check eBay or whatever it was, Craigslist, because you wanted to pick up a fucking fridge so you can actually put your beer. In. That was an entire session. I literally, I literally went. Hold on, hold on. I literally went to Craigslist.com while we were playing. I was like, all right, you assholes are looking for a fridge? Let's find a fridge. All right, there's a fridge down in Falmouth, Kentucky. You guys want to go down to Hicktown? Nah. Yeah, let's go down to Hicktown. Like, you assholes. Okay, okay, like, okay. Number one, that was Jim's character. All right. Oh, <laughs> come on now. Oh, I was the guy that was the playboy. Nick, he was the... The, he was the, the smart kid. one. Don't lie. You knew it was a good idea it, to go to the Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a good idea, but Mongo, whoever he was, he oh, wanted beer. <laughs> he was really yeah, intimidating. Yeah. We didn't have like, a fucking fridge at the shop, man. <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty big and intimidating, so we had to go like, well, we were going to get this guy. He's going to break something. So that was your fault, Eric. You should have said, yeah, you get your fridge. Let's go. No. It's been ordered. <laughs> so, but back more back to your point, what I'm saying is like, yeah. you said that it, it wasn't, I wasn't railroading you in this game because we were playing it episodic, but is there no. a, but hold on, but is there a difference between railroading your players or playing the game exactly how they want it to be played? Well, that's, that's, that's true. But yeah, I was saying that was railroading that you were doing, but it was good. It was cool. But because we wanted to play that way, we go get a ghost, we go go out and bust the ghost, and we went to that place, we did our stuff, and then we came back, which is, I see, I see nothing well, wrong with Yeah, that. sometimes railroading yeah. is okay, yeah. and, you know, it gets this really bad rap, yeah. um, and it depends on what your players want. It's all, again, it's all about, all about conversation, all about communication. What do we want out of this game? Yeah. Do we want to go save the princess? Do we want to go kill a dragon? Do we want to hunt vampires? You know, these are all important things. Like, if you tell me I want to play a game that's rife with intrigue and mystery and drama, then railroading's probably not going to work. 
Yeah. But but I, I understand the type of river when you're talking about, like, you know, you go on this quest, we got to kill the king of the kobolds, and you can't do anything. Like, oh, I'm going to go to this shop. Oh, they're closed. Or this one, they're not talking to you. You know, <laughs> So you gotta stay on this track. You can't. You can't go anywhere else. Yeah, you can only go to the pre-approved yeah. shops that I have ready. Yeah, true. Yeah. I mean that that, that type of railroading is like ah, that's that bad. gets sort of yeah, or, you know, pushing the people there they can't do a thing. Yeah, that's bad. But but you're right. When when you know if you have something in mind where it's like we're gonna bust some ghosts and the alarm goes off. Yeah, that's like fucking awesome. That keeps us on task and everything else. Now the happy medium. There's a happy medium. We always we talk about both extremes, and it happens all the time. We talk about railroading. We talk about open sandbox. There's a merger because it's easy for a DM to write a merger. linear story. There's a linear story going on. Point A to point B, kill the bad guys, get home, collect your reward. Yeah. Uh, um, that's easy to write. I can do that all day long. I can write a, a whole adventure in 10 minutes. Now – preparing yourself for the eventualities that the players are going to want to go buy a refrigerator to keep the beer in, to keep at the shop. Those are, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's, that's the, that's the, the other side. That's the open sandbox. I can go uh -huh. do whatever I want in character. So there's the, the, in between the merger is called a matrix where you have a couple of different stories going on that are very simple. And the key is keeping those stories very, very simple to where you can have two or even three things going on in your city. That'll make the city feel like it's really, really, really alive. And if you just know what those stories are and have NPCs related to those stories, then you can totally railroad on the one. And when the players go off or get get out of out of the way into something else, you can kind of uh, start to create little things that are happening in this other story that they've stumbled upon or you can um, draw them into your original story and all alternative ways, you know, rather than just going, Oh, now I have to make all this shit up. There's perhaps other neat things going on that aren't necessarily as rewarding. They're not necessarily as huge. Um, they might be a little bit more mundane storylines, but they're still really interesting. And like you said, when the guy was in the gunfight, and he wanted to go sneaking around and go all through the building. He just wanted to see what people had on their desks. He just wanted to see what was in the trash can. If the girl that sits at this desk uh, eats paydays all day, or if she uh, uh, eats Snickers bars all day or whatever, or if she hides, um, if, the, if the guy at the other desk hides pornography because he's some weird creeper, you know, he's just wanting to see how deep you're going to go. And the more you give when that starts happening, the more that person's going to try to dig. So if you have other things, like, oh, what are some other things happening in this building? Maybe before you ever get there, maybe it's audit day. You just know that, you know, and that the building was audited that day. So you might see stickers everywhere with numbers on. That would mean nothing to the players, but it might. It might be an interesting storytelling technique where you get out there and they're like, oh, what are all these numbers? And it means nothing to the story, but you just drug your players. It feels terrible if you're not ready for it, but if you uh -huh. are ready for it and you have a little story there to tell, it feels awesome because then you've wasted an hour of gameplay and it brought you right back to the beginning. And that's yet another way that you can kind of keep characters in. You can draw them back to the game because that's really boring where that's really, like, it, it's alive. That building is lived in. 
Mm-hmm. It has a story of its own. Is it really what you want to be doing as a player character? I'll tell you it's not when I once you see that these stickers are everywhere and they're the most boring thing you've ever seen. You know Was that a snore? It was a was snort. That? It was a snore. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Why did why'd you I almost fell asleep. I'm sorry. Well. See, I brought you back to the main storyline. There you go. Boom. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say something, but I guess. Go ahead and say it, Tommy. I'll edit it okay, in. Okay, and you know what? So. Put put a cap on the night. I'll put a cap on the night. Yeah, let's hear it. I'll put a cap on the night. Um, <clears throat> Hello, my honey. Hello, my baby. Hello, <laughs> my rock time gal. We got it. I mean, I, I, just, I just, what I wanted to say was this. I mean, for those who think this is easy, I, I can tell you, I play with like, I play with Jim, we play with different characters, and I know that I can go off and get interested in a lot of stuff, like a lot of players can. So I, kudos to Jim, <laughs> because True. I couldn't, yep. I couldn't do it. I, I, I can enjoy doing it as long as he does, uh, how, how good he is. It's just, this is great. And we love playing his games. I love playing D and know some motherfuckers out there was like, like man, I love playing D and D. Like no, no, you know I love playing D and D. You don't understand. <laughs> no, you don't no, care. no. Some people love ice cream. I love playing D and D. I mean, this is this is what we got. So we're having games gonna go on for years. This game will be finished another couple of years, I guess. When we're on, mm, yeah, hundred sessions. Thanks for listening to this episode of the D&D 420 podcast. For everything D&D 420 related, check out dnd420.com. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us there on the website and on YouTube at D&D 420. Lastly, as always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do that by telling another DM about the show and by visiting us on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and review. Thanks for subscribing and being a part of our work here at D&D 420. We will see you next week.